Well, I don't know about Take you guys, two. but I have I have this re- weird feeling of deja vu. Yeah, so our recording just randomly stopped. The following about- audio. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Don't worry about that. Today is a day for success. We are just on top of shit today, guys. All right, so a little backstory. We recorded this show already. <laughs> well, parts of it anyway. Yeah, about the first half. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through some stuff and then do the beer. And then I think we're going to swap some stuff around and we're going to have the guest on before we go into the deep discussion. Okay. Just because that will make a little bit more sense. I'm just going to keep an eye on this. So, Miles, what have you been doing this week? <laughs> well, let's see. I've been doing a lot of moving and a lot of working. My days off have been working. Sounds miserable. That does sound pretty miserable. And hot, because it's been hot around here lately. It has. Tuesday, I think, was the worst at about 98, with a heat index of 112. You see, I didn't even go outside Tuesday until, like, Tuesday night, so I didn't <laughs> notice. Uh, but I noticed that was war- I had to have an AC running the whole day. Yeah. 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 It's... Air this week has just been brutal. Just oh. not good Last at Last night, all. I think, was where it finally chilled out for just a little bit. I'm gonna move this so I don't accidentally bump that. And then, okay. uh, with my with the last while, I've been playing Payday Two, amazing uh, heist game. For those who don't know, what is Payday Two? Well, it's like we've rehearsed this or something. <laughs> We're just on top of this today, guys. We're like, all right, let's burn through this so fast. So it's fast. like it's like I can see in the future. It's great. <laughs> uh, Payday Two is a game. Made by Overkill, no. published no, by. Yeah. It was made by Overkill. Yes. You cannot take that away from them, Carlos. Published by uh, uh, Starbe- Starbreeze. 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 They're bought by uh, Starbreeze. Yes. So it was made by Overkill. Yeah. I'm so right because they the Overkill splash screen is on there when you start the game. Yeah. Sure. I I don't know. I usually just I'm sawing keys on the keyboard to skip it. So. Oh. Okay. Well, you should look at things at the people who made the things you like, Carlos. It's important. Anyway, uh, it's it's like Left for Dead with ro- with cops and robbers. Yeah. Is basically what it boils down to. You play one of four people, and you rob banks, jewelry stores, stores. No, you make math. Like, sm- like smash and grab. <laughs> Sorry, allergies. And- yeah, you you can uh, smash and grab, just bust in there, turn on all the alarms, and just <laughs> shoot all the hostages, I suppose, if you even want to. Well, that's violent. Oh, yeah, it doesn't help it's you a very much. Violent. And then, uh, but you can also pull it off stealthy, and that is always just, that just gives you such a sense of You feel so good. Though, I've spent more time this week trying to stealth a fucking bank heist. By yourself. By yeah. My, yeah, by myself. Is it working? Yes. Oh, I, nice. I got it down where I can do it every time. It just takes me about a half hour. Well, is it worth it? Yeah, okay. I, I think it is. It's okay. fun. You get this sense of accomplishment until you're until you're halfway through the next one. You're just like, stupid guards, fix the pathing, come outside. <laughs> and then I did the, I just the other day I did a first time ever uh, the lead stealth role in the framing job stuff, and that was interesting. Like I've done it a couple times the stealth way, but that's the first time I took the lead on it. And that was that was fun. Yeah. So the framing job is you have to steal paintings and then sell them to a senator after you installed hidden cameras in the paintings, and then you sneak into the senator's house and plant cocaine and steal all his gold. It, it was a great Very job. Nice. Yes, it's quite entertaining. But anyway, moving on from that... Oh, we have... Oh, well, anyway. 
Is it still recording? Yes, we're, we're still we're we're still good. I'm keeping an eye on it. Like that makes two of us. <laughs> just oh. like keep moving, keep moving. I I feel so bad. We were we were so far into things. Things were going well. They were. We were halfway done with this, and then he just put a screeching halt. And then it. I broke it. I suck. I suppose we should uh taste the beer now. Yes. Oh shoot! Again. I'm out of beer. Well, get another one. Okay. I I'm gonna twist your arm and make you open another beer. I'm going to do this, you jerk. <laughs> oh, it's funny now. Fine. That's right, I have my own. Jerk. So what we're <laughs> drinking is the Summit Summer Ale, which and it was, a, what, a Kolsch? It's a Kolsch. 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 That word is hard for you to say, Carlos. Kolsch. I can't see it. I'm just, I don't even know how it's spelled, so K-O-L-S-C-H. I'm just like... K-O-L-S-C-H. Yep. With an oom out. With an umlaut over the O. See, I just thought it was spelled K-O-L-C-H. That would just be silly. Yeah. Why would you think that? That's not how it's spelled. It's not? Well, that's just too bad. <laughs> All right. Um, a Kolsch is a German uh, lager style. Um, it's it's a little it's a little sweeter and maltier than your uh, typical like German Pilsner. Get a lot more of that malt flavor, a little bit of fruitiness from the yeast and stuff. Oh, it's it's quite delightful the style. Yes, and this is a pretty good example of the style, wouldn't you say? I would absolutely. What do, uh, what does Beer Advocate say about it? Um, they gave it an eighty-three, which is pretty solid. Could be better, could be worse. Yeah, but I don't know. But then again, Kolsch isn't exactly the kind of style that draws so much attention. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you never you're never gonna find a Kolsch or really any like Pilsner or anything, any of these light lager styles, and you're gonna be like, Oh my god, I need to have this again. Yeah, they just they lack in complexities that would make it worth it. Or excuse me, that would make it uh you know, so amazing yeah. that that it can have that next step up in popularity. Um, so I guess one of the bigger compliments you'll ever see out of it is that there is nothing wrong with it, uh, which is a good compliment. Yeah, it is. Because for lagers, because they're so crisp and clean, any mistake is noticeable. I will agree. Mm-hmm. A lot. Uh, speaking of beer in general, we did a lot of home brewing a couple weeks ago. Got, what, 12, 13 gallons of beer done? Right around 13, I think you said. That was a lot of fun. It was great. We overshot our numbers so much that we had to compensate by 30%. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I I guess I never did the percentages. Well, three, an extra three gallons for a 10 gallon batch. Wow. Yeah, just 30%. Wow. We, we, you know, it turned out really well, though. Uh, it's a English bitter, uh, about 3.5%. It was super light, malty, just that hint of bitterness. And that, that was with it, uh, like, uncarbed and warm. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what it turns out like it's, after it's carved and cooled. It's going to be fantastic. It Did better you, be. Is it just bottled? Uh, no, I have two full kegs. Did you force carb? I did not force carb the kegs because I poured it all into the bottling bucket oh. with the with the priming sugar, so I could gotcha. bottle what because I didn't know how much was going to go in the keg and how much I was going to need to bottle oh, out sure. of each one. So gotcha. Otherwise, I would have just kegged it all. Well, otherwise, the easier way to to assume bottling is just an ounce per gallon of priming sugar. 
It's about what we did. Well, that we're we're shooting for uh, one and a half volumes of CO two, so a little on the lighter carb side. Okay, well, and you just and so do a little bit less than an ounce per gallon. Yeah, uh, well, I, I had a nifty calculator. Ooh, fancy, yeah, right? All these tools on the internet had to use them somehow, right? Absolutely. Hey, we are now officially past where it recorded the last time. So, yeah, we're just going to keep referencing this throughout the entire show. Yeah, it's going to be funny. It's no, it's not. Casey had to drop the ball. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, you're you should uh, feel bad when I'm right. (laughs) Don't we have a guest? We do. I don't know if he's at his computer yet. So you guys talked amongst yourselves online while I try to get. See, he stepped away because he got too bored with hearing it a second time. (laughs) He was here. He didn't want to listen to us talk about the same things again. Come on, guys, say some words. Dead air is bad. Dead air. Okay. Rehab is for quitters. Rehab is for quitters. You can't just read off the posters on the wall. (laughs) That's not something you can do. As amazing as they are, because I went to a. Fleet Farm, I picked up a couple of metal, like, the ones that, they're all on metal plates or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to buy these. It was worth it. It, well, see, it is. They used to be, like, right above the kegerator before the kegerator died, and now we... And we, we rearrange this, uh, things. Yeah. And- I'm just going to go out there and say that my reading of that poster started a discussion. So there. Yeah, but... Uh, so but apparently bro- I no. can do that. You can't do that. There's a rule somewhere. <laughs> it's in the bylaws. Of course it's in the bylaws. Yeah. We have bylaws? Yes, we do. <laughs> we have laws. You're on no. the oversight committee. You should know this. No, he- I am the oversight committee. <laughs> How do you not know about the own, or the laws that you wrote? Casey, you're supposed to read the bylaws. Wait. I was probably drunk, guys. Way to drop the ball. All right. Well, I have our guest on the line, I think. Seth, you there? I'm here. Hey. Yay. All right. So... We have Seth Mouse again, because, well, he's the only author we know. It's delightful. AC Moss. Moss, that's, that's right. Moss. Not Moss. Moss. I, I mispronounce it all the time, because, well, he and corrects yeah, me. And he still keeps coming back to the I, show. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, Seth just came out with his second book, The Darkest Heart, The Void, and The Flame. And I have to admit, I haven't finished it yet. Tisk tisk. I know. I'm about three quarters of the way through, but and it's awesome so far. Well, good. Yes. So, Seth, can you tell us just a little bit about your books? Um. Well, they are fantasy books, and the first two books are the continuation of a single story that without spoiling too much, is following the epic quest sort of fantasy set, you know, kind of Lord of the Rings, you know, you get the really long quest that kind of starts meaningless, you know, nothing big, and then all of a sudden things start to happen, and uh, it seems to take on more importance. Uh, It starts with one little family, and they find a silver flask that to them doesn't seem important, but uh, later on they find is pretty important uh, and I don't want to spoil too much for anyone who hasn't read it but uh, things happen people die they meet people it's all good and yeah the, the first one I've read multiple times and I'm sure I will read the second one again and again as well fair enough I have a question for you uh, Seth is it 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I have a brother. He, he writes a lot of fan fiction, and I've had many discussions with him about the process of his writing. And he more or less seems to know in his head what he's going to write. And the difficult part is getting it all down on paper. And he more or less uh, writes from the start and ends up at the end uh, when normally I, I've heard people kind of flesh out the storyline and fill in the blanks. What is your process? Um, well, with the first book, it was really, it all started with a short story I'd written. So I had, didn't even really plan to write this series until I wrote that little short story and it just kind of grew from there. Um, the second book, I had more of an idea what was going on and I had certain plot points that I was aiming for, but I didn't have any of that filler stuff in between. It was sort of, you know, I'm going here, let's see what happens on the way. Uh, in book three, honestly, other than one or two plot points, I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I guess that answers my what was going to be my next question is, like, where, like, did you timeline it out or whatever? Uh, so when when did you decide you wanted to do a trilogy? Like, uh, Towards the end of the first book when I realized, wow, this is getting to be really long and there's no way I'm going to be able to do it in one book. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't I honestly right now I don't even know if three books is going to be enough I'm hoping but uh, it could end up being four just depending on how things go okay and then uh, is the third book going to follow the same characters or are you kind of splitting off yeah everything is going to follow the characters as they are right now I know book two I kind of split them up uh, for about half the book for each Uh, book three is going to see them come back together and I I don't currently plan on doing any splitting up, but okay. I didn't plan on splitting them up for the second book either, so who knows? <laughs> I have right. another question, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, when you're done writing the story for your characters, are you going to be done with these characters, or are you going to throw them at other adventures, whether or not they're related to uh, The Darkest Heart? Um... The main characters, Kale and his family, this is their story, and that'll be it for them. Okay. Uh, they really don't have anything else going on. So uh, is, it, is it more or less going to be a happily ever after then? Well, what more? No, about happily ever after. But there, there will be an end for their story with the end of the book. Okay. Now, other characters like Sheath and Alliant Moore, I could see doing something with them. I don't currently have any plans to, but I could see stories with them in it. Um. You you fleshed out so much of this world that you've created here. Are you planning on continuing this, like with your other stories, like in different eras of the world? Or yes, okay, yes. Uh, actually, the very first book I ever wrote took place in this world, and about on the timeline, about five six hundred years in the future. So I plan on revisiting that story when I'm done with this one. Okay, and sort of. Uh, rewriting it and making it good because it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> just kind of evolving this world then uh, yeah if if i may ask uh because i haven't read the books i'm i'm kind of a uh just a buddy of casey's and i haven't had the pleasure of talking to you or reading your books yet uh you make it sound like your story is set in like this renaissance plus magic kind of time time correct 
Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of emphasis on magic in the books. Okay. I mean, there there is it's there, but okay. it's not really the focal point. Uh, it, it's it's never a get out of jail free card for anybody, you know. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's sort of a swords and sorcery sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then my my follow up question was going to be: You said you're you're looking to write about five or six hundred years in the future. What kind of technological advancement is going to be involved with that? It's it's not going to be a lot. Um, we're going to see some. Uh, you might see not cars, but you're going to see things sort of resembling advancements in travel, things like that. Um, but the world itself, there's really not a need for them to advance. You know, okay. there's really you know there's no major wars going on where they have to make you know, new weapons or things like that. So. There's really no need for them to keep going forward at kind of the pace humans did here in our world. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Thank Makes you. sense. Because we're awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, and you've self-published both of these, right, Seth? Indeed. All right. Um, what, like, what things did you learn from the publication process of the first book that you were able to incorporate in publishing the second? Uh, the main thing I learned was uh, you got to start your formatting from the first time you start writing the first chapter. Because if you don't, oh my god, it is just not fun going back through and trying to format 140,000 words into the proper format. <laughs> and uh, is, is the format uh, like based on the publisher that you go with? So like each publisher has, has a different format? or um, You know, I've only used one, so I don't okay. really know. Uh, but I'm assuming they're all generally the same. It, it follows roughly the same pattern that any book you pick up in a store looks like. So... I'm assuming they're all pretty similar. Uh, it it's just starting from the beginning is the main thing. If you my first book, I had no formatting at all. I wasn't even using a program that had formatting. I was using a free writing program. And when I got to the end and started to format, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I spent probably as much time formatting it as I did on the editing process. Oh wow, that's so. that's insane. Yeah, I see that you uh, didn't make the text any bigger on the side of the book. <laughs> no, no. It, it is it is like two points bigger. Oh, two points. I was, was going right. to mention that. I I don't have any control over that, dude. <laughs> I have no idea how to change it. I've tried multiple times, but every time it ended up coming out the same way. So I said, you know what? We'll just make all three look the same, <laughs> right? We'll say it was a style choice. <laughs> uh, speaking of style choices, your your first book has like that glossy gray or like steel gray black color, and your yeah. second book is white. Um, it, it was that a stylistic choice, or did you just like the white cover better? No, that was a stylistic choice. The first okay. one has sort of that wolf gray feel to it because uh, you have the wear is kind of like the main protagonist in the book or antagonist in the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, Void in the Flame was sort of that white and red because, uh, well, don't want to spoil it, but one of the main players towards the end of the book, uh, once you read, you understand, but uh, that was sort of a style choice there too. Okay. Very cool. So is the the third one going to be a different color then? I actually have no idea what I'm going to do with the third one because I don't even have a name for the third one yet. <laughs> so I don't know. Go <laughs> pink. I was going to say it's going to be hot pink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really That'll throw people off, make yeah. them question whether or not it belongs with the other two. You know, I, I, yeah. I really like the, light, the look of the white cover with the red 
with the red lettering it, it looks really slick i love it i do too i thought it came out pretty good uh unfortunately i'm not a very good artist so i didn't i can't uh make my own cover so to speak but uh, i thought for a free program doing it for me it came out pretty nice yeah yeah definitely definitely all right um is there anything like for people who are starting to write out there what is the one thing you would tell them be like so this is the thing you need to do read just read you need to grab some of the best authors in the field that you love and you need to read their work um you got to learn the things that they do that are awesome you know Uh, those writing styles those little things that they do that add flesh into the world but at the same time, you also need to look at things that you don't like about it, you know. Uh, one of my favorite series of all time is Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series. And I love that man's world, but my God, that man can write a paragraph. I mean, those <laughs> things seem to go on forever. <laughs> so, you know, there, I mean, there are things that, you know, you read the book and you say, I love this, I love this, and I want to do something like that, but I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that, you know. And you really can only get that from reading. If you write in a vacuum, you're going to find that your writing probably is pretty rough just because you have nothing to compare it to, you know? Makes I don't sense. tell people to compare as in is it as good as, but you need to have some sort of uh, gauge of what's good and what's not. Makes Fair. sense. Now, I have one question for you. Um, everyone or most people seem to have their own kind of writing style, and I think it's safe to assume that you do too, but... Uh, what are some of the writers that yours is based off of? Uh, the biggest one's Tolkien, okay. uh, without a doubt. Uh, reading his books over and over again are what sort of led me into my writing style. Uh, just because I love, I feel like Tolkien's world is one of the most 3D worlds I've ever read. Uh, where you feel like you're right there in Middle Earth when you're reading. Uh, and there are others too. Uh, Steven Erickson who wrote the uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen series. Uh, he influenced some things, uh, with, especially with characters. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are others, but none, none that I can really think of that directly impacted. All right, cool. Thank you. Right, uh, what, like, so writing a sequel, like, what, what was the biggest difference between writing your initial novel and then writing the sequel? Like, um, any unique challenges? The hardest thing was making sure I didn't contradict myself. Um, you know, with the first one, it's pretty much to the wind. I'm making stuff up as I go at times, and you're not really worried about saying something here that earlier in the book was not there, you know? Yeah. There's no contradiction there, really, because there's nothing really to contradict. But once the first book's done, now I have this already established canon, things that happen, uh, things about the world that I you know, can't really change. So I have to make sure that if I bring in something new, it doesn't contradict what I already had there. Uh, and that I think that was the hardest part. Uh, the story really wasn't that hard. That just kind of flowed. But uh, there were a couple times where I would be reading something I wrote in book two. And because uh, I always kept book one beside me and I'd read kind of something similar to it in book one that related to what was going on. And I'd be like, wait a minute can't do that because that can't happen in this world so uh, i'd have to make little changes you know so do you end up having like flow charts and lists and character descriptions and you're posted <laughs> up on the walls in your room 
Um, beyond the map of the world, I have literally nothing written down about the world and everything in it. You mostly uh, just reference your first book then? Pretty much. I mean, okay. 95% of it's in my head. And I don't really, I, I don't forget much. So, I mean, I don't usually worry about whether or not I'm missing anything. But I'm, there have been a couple times where I've read through the first book and thought, oh, I said this. I should have continued on that in the second one. But uh, not a whole lot that I think I've missed. Uh, but no, I don't keep anything written down really. <laughs> is like now, now that you finished the second book, is there anything that you left out of the first that you're like, oh, I wish I would have put that in there? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, there's parts where I wish I would have expanded on the hunters a bit more. Um, because in the next book series, they're going to play a pretty important role. But other than that, no, I think I got everything in there that I wanted to get in. Okay. So you, you haven't like entertained the idea of doing like a director's cut or whatever? Um, with, uh... <laughs> Maybe to fix some typos, <laughs> but uh, nothing, nothing to fix uh, storyline issues now. Okay. Uh, if I did, if I ever did, I'd probably it'd be right in the middle of the book there, chapters ten and eleven when they're in Shalom. I would probably add a little bit more, but other than that, no, I can't think of anything that I would really go back and change. Well, that's good. Well, as opposed to changing anything, have you considered? Uh, going through and, and giving more complete histories of some of the main or side characters just kind of because people might be interested? You know, I've thought about doing something similar to what Tolkien did, which is write down some of the history and you kind of put a compendium together. But uh, I just, you know, I don't know if the world itself is to the point where it can use that yet. Uh, um, makes sense. You know, if... Because once the third book's done, I'm going to try to seek traditional publishing. And, you know, if it were to become popular, then, yeah, I could see, you know, making a history of the world and everything and what's going on there. But uh, for now, I don't have any plans to. Okay, cool. You, you've taught, or you just mentioned uh, seeking traditional publishing after the third book. Why wait until then? Do you just want to approach them with the full trilogy or publish? Really, like it's up, mainly uh, just for the focus. Okay. I want to be able to focus on the third book and not worry about, you know, deadlines, anything with the first two. I don't want to worry about publishers or anything like that or, you know, book signings, nothing like that. I want to be able to just focus on the third book, get it done. Then, yeah, approach them with. Do you think having self-published could hinder the chances of that or would it help? It's it's possible it could hinder. I mean, really, it depends uh, on what I was trying to do, but. I don't think it'll really make much of a difference to them. Uh, usually, I've, I've read that self-publishing can hinder you if, like, you've self-published uh, a book and then went straight to, a, like, an agent or something. But I think the fact that I'm going to have the full series done will kind of negate most of that. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a pretty big difference between being a new author who comes with his first book that's not even a finished story, technically, and being an author who's gone through three books who has the completed story in his hand. And yeah. publishers do like to pick up trilogies. That's their right. favorite thing to do. 
trilogies. Yeah. Everyone just, loves a good trilogy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, a trilogy but, just has a certain advertisement quality to the concept. <laughs> yeah. You exactly. Know, at the People same, know that there's a long story there. Also, yeah. they sell one book, they're likely to sell three. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And if you just kind of approach them with a the finished product, then most of the hard work for them is done. Yeah. Right. That's what I think, too, is, you know, they don't have to worry about, okay, this guy's new. Is he actually going to finish these other two books, you know? Because you did. Yeah. Yeah. They're already done. Um, what's What's your editing process like, Seth? Um, well, I'll be the first to admit the English class is not my favorite. So <laughs> my editing process is mostly me sending the book out to a few people I trust and them telling me when they find errors. I mean, I'd go through it line by line myself and try to fix everything I possibly can. But uh, I'm... You're too close to it. Part of it's too close to it, and part of it's just English grammar that, you know, that whole thing was not my it, strong suit. Well, and English doesn't make any sense as it is. No, it's, it's not a good language. It's a messed up language. We suck. So, <laughs> I mean, past, present participles. Yeah, I, I'm i not going through to make sure I use the right form of a word. <laughs> if someone, someone says it sounds job. wrong, I'll change it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, I I had another question and I completely blanked. Do you guys have any more questions for Seth? No, I think um, I've asked writing, uh, my questions, publishing, and you published writing. it through uh, Amazon, right? I published it through Create Space, which is part of Amazon, but not directly under the name. Like, how's your experience been with through them? Uh, fantastic. I mean, it's not hard to publish with them. Uh, other than the formatting, which, I mean, you, you, you would expect that anywhere you go anyways. Might uh, as well get used to the process. Yeah. And once you're done, you know, you get your book on Amazon. So, I mean, it's not like you're going on some small little website somewhere. So, uh, I think it's been uh, really good. Awesome. Um, I guess, all right, Seth. Do you have any anything you want to tell our listeners about your books before we start wrapping up here? Or, um, ooh, uh, if you have a Kindle, it is part of the Kindle Direct Publishing Program, which uh, allows you to borrow it for free oh. for I don't know a week or so. So, uh, if any listeners out there that have a Kindle and want to check it out, uh, I think both of them can be borrowed for free. That's so. Cool. You know, take a look. I think people would enjoy it. Um, when are we getting audiobooks, Seth? <laughs> when someone when decides can... they want to read through 140,000 <laughs> words and put it on tape. Because that ain't going to be me. Money for Morgan Freeman. <laughs> so basically, when Carlos and I sit down here and just read through the book, doing different yep. character voices. Yep. That's when we'll get audiobooks. <laughs> and then they ate cake. <laughs> You're not going to sign Morgan Freeman? Uh, you know, if Morgan Freeman wants to do it, he's more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I doubt he's going to do it. All right. Um, do you guys have any final questions here? Otherwise, we'll oh, talk no. about our awesome photo contest. Yay! Oh, yeah. Because that was a thing we did. Yes. Yeah, I have so no idea what it is. Seth came to me, and he's like, we should do a photo contest. I'm like, this is a great idea. People have so much fun. And so we spent... I don't know, like a month trying to come up with an idea for this stupid photo contest. It's so hard. So hard. And finally, I'm just like, what? Go ahead. You'd think it'd be easy. Yeah. A photo contest. Right. But. 
It's not. I know. It's well, I mean, Instagram is in itself kind of a photo contest for food, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so finally, we decided that you know what? Let's just have a peep. Let's just have people take a picture of themselves reading, and we'll pick the best one. And I think we settled on uh, Clifford Williams. He sent in a picture of himself wearing a Boba Fett helmet, reading uh, "The Moon Is a Harsh Mistress." I think the Boba Fett helmet <laughs> alone was the winner. I, I think so too. It, the book was irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Irrelevant. He he could have been reading a pamphlet from <laughs> the local diner. <laughs> he has Boba Fett helmet on. That was the winner. Definitely. So, yeah, Cliff, congratulations. Uh, what does he win, Seth? He wins a free copy of both books. Awesome. Uh, That's both Shadow really of the Wolf deal. and The Void in the Flame. Ooh. Oh, uh, if people want to buy these books and then get them signed, is there a way for them to do that? Um, There is, but they would have to contact me directly. And uh, where and they can they contact that. you? They can do that through my author page on Amazon. Uh if you are not on Amazon, I'm sorry, on Facebook, uh, if you look up S.A. Moss and just like the page and that'll give you access to it. And if you're interested in getting the book signed, uh, you can contact me there and I'll tell you how you can do that. Moss is spelled M-A-U-S. Yeah, it totally looks like mouse, guys. It does not look oh, like mouse at all. <laughs> it's like mouse to you. No one else that's, not how, with it. that's not how you spell mouse, Casey. <laughs> For the record, he does not speak for me. <laughs> I speak for no one but me. Casey also did not do well in English class. <laughs> or really any other class. That's why I have a podcast now, because I can force people to listen to and me. And a keezer. And a keezer. It makes this talking thing way more entertaining. Well, Seth, thank you again for coming on. It's always a lot of fun to have you on here, and your books are phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yes. And thanks for having me on. I enjoy coming on with you guys. It was, right. it was great talking to you. You too. Well, uh, you're welcome to stick around. We're going to talk about the uh, VMAs and Miley Cyrus's performance and Syria, if you want to weigh in on that. Otherwise, well, we'll let you go. Unfortunately, I do believe I have grocery shopping that's about to get done here. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I would come up with an excuse, too, if I had one. <laughs> as interesting as Miley Cyrus's dance was. <laughs> so thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. Well, that that was great. I love talking to Seth. Yeah, he's he's so knowledgeable. And we just, stopped recording. No, we didn't. Don't scare me like that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, damn it, Miles! Oh. I was <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn, Miles! Oh. I was saving that. <laughs> I was saving that till toward the end. Oh man! I have to call Seth. It'd be a whole thing. Oh. I just, I don't even know. Oh, God. That hurts so bad. You jerk. I need to finish this beer. <laughs> the faster, the better. See, I was going to wait till right before the very end and then say that. I have to drive after this. No, see, it would have been too convenient of a joke at that point. I suppose. <laughs> just, oh, man. All right, VMAs. Let's move on. Oh, we're moving on. Okay, well, just one more thank you to Seth for coming on. Yes. And one more shout out. Uh, the Darkest Heart, The Void and the Flame is his new book. So go buy that on Amazon. I think it's like 15 bucks or something. I don't know. Not, yeah, or you can get it on the Kindle. Is there an audio version available? Not yet. Probably never, because okay. you don't want to listen to me read an entire book. I will do it if enough people email me. 
Oh God! Think about how or much message me. I will need... totally sit down here and just start reading this book. Think how much water you would need just to keep your mouth wet to talk constantly, nonstop. It's only like fifteen thousand words. It's what? more than fifteen. It, yeah, 000. I think you said like a hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, hundred and fifty. That's a little. That's like ten uh, times more than. I was 15, off by 000. a factor of ten. <laughs> fifteen thousand words is not a book. It's usually like uh, publishers sorry. look for English seventy thousand to like a hundred. <laughs> Anyway, Moving wow, on. Miley Cyrus. Oh god, god, who saw that performance? I know everyone in this room did because I made them watch it before this. I did not hear the the music because my headset was not working over Technically, here. Technically, there was no music playing. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, I guess there was the, music. There was yeah, no I don't. I, I, yeah, it's it's music. It's just not great music. Not not music for me. I, I liked when the guy came on his music. I can't remember. I've heard his song. You just like the fact that she took her clothes off. It was Miley Cyrus, and not especially because she wasn't wearing something that appealing. It was like a plastic diaper. Yeah. I, all right. So for those of you who didn't see it, we're going to we're gonna try to describe it here. Um, so Set the stage. Says the stage. There's a giant teddy bear wearing Jordy LaForge goggles. Because, of course... Yes. And then there's like 20 or 30 other bears that all look just stoned. Yep. And they, didn't they all have Jordy LaForge goggles on? Not all of them. Okay. Oh, and all the dancers are dressed like bears. Yeah. Yep. Can't forget about that. And then, so then the stomach of this bear opens like the worst motherfucking spaceship ever. Yeah. And she sticks her head out and like, her and, and her leg and like humps the side of the bear and then sticks her tongue out. Like apparently that's her thing. Yeah, and she has an abnormally long tongue. Like that tongue is super long, it's or her not, face yeah. is super small. Both. I haven't really figured out it's which a bad one combination. is which. But yeah, so it, it's like a terrible version of Gene Simmons. And then she she's wearing like this white unitard white, thing. Yeah. yeah. And there's some twerking, and she puts her face in some black lady's ass and spanks it. And spanks it. It's it's a whole thing. And then uh, what's his name comes? Oh god, Robin Thick. Robin Thick comes out and starts singing. Does anybody actually know who Robin Thick is? His, He's a singer, yeah. obviously. Okay, I don't know. I, I heard his like song on the radio. Is he from Canada? Maybe. Who knows? I feel like he'd be from Canada. No, That's too just, nice. Just because he has it. the same first name as a girl from How I Met Your Mother. No. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that's what you're that's going with. That's not my... No. It is, isn't oh, it? Oh, no. Yeah, it is. No, it just sounds like a very Canadian name. Is it? Yeah, see, there we go. There Why we does go. it sound Canadian? Why does it sound Canadian? I was talking about the thick part, not... The Robin, I that no. <laughs> anyway, moving on. But uh, my opinion is maybe this to... is all one big PSA about drugs, <laughs> right? All right. So yeah, he comes out and then she rips off the unitard to reveal the poorly hidden rubber diaper that she's been wearing. It was colored two piece, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's thick. It's plastic. It's not appealing. And it makes her butt fat stick out funny when she's twerking. And there's this. This is Google for it. It's it's one of the funniest images I've seen in a while. Basically, there's like this giant V shape in her ass where like the diaper has like sucked in and there's just butt fat. Uh, it's it's really entertaining. Oh, yeah, and so then she has this foam finger and she dances suggestively with it. No, there's nothing suggestive about it. She's basically demanding. 
That is very suggestive. <laughs> She's right. suggestively demanding. So the reason I'm bringing this up is why was it such a big deal? Like it was on CNN, like all the major news networks were covering it. I'm pretty sure Fox had something about it being related to demons or something. Well, I don't know. It, Maybe they did see that, but uh, <laughs> it's not a big deal at all because it's MTV. And yeah, but why were people making a big deal about it? It's not a big deal until people made it a big deal. Because I people are stupid and they like to give other stupid people credit. No, um, I'd, I'd have to say probably one of the bigger reasons uh, is that it wasn't even entertainment, that it was just uh, crude. It was just rude, it was crude, it wasn't meant to be entertaining, she wasn't even trying to sing, she was just trying to be gross, and she was trying to do it on national television, etc. What do you think her motivations behind it? Like, do you think she had any reason for doing it that way? Like, do you think she's trying to get rid of that Hannah Montana Disney image? Yeah. Do you think this is her act out, kind of like Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan... And all those guys acted out? She's a stupid young adult. Things not turn out well for them at all. Britney Spears still has a career, I think. Mm. Oh, really? is she, a, a has she made bit, her yeah. comeback? I think bit? so. For the most part, I, I'd say yeah. I mean, she, she's out of those crazy early twenties. I mean, it's not. A, it wasn't exactly grandiose, but I suppose she's back. Yeah, um, and then yeah, I don't know. It's just it was just entirely unnecessary. Nobody wanted to see it. Yeah, even the even the people like sitting in the audience, like first they're cheering. And then you could just see their faces like, wait a second. This isn't what I signed up for. But I don't know why this got so much media coverage. Because it's the shit that people care about these days. I mean, why do you think MTV plays friggin' uh, reality TV? Because I love the real world. Even though it's not? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Because it's inexpensive for them to produce. Yeah. I think that's basically it. Yeah. It's cheap, and people watch it. They, they eat that shit up. They need to change that M then. <laughs> right? Well, I, I don't think it stands for music anymore. I think it stands for M. Fair enough. Like the Sci-Fi Channel doesn't stand for Sci-Fi anymore. You know, actually, speaking of cha- channel changes, like apparently FX, which has It's Always Sunny, is it, like changing. Well, no, it's split into two channels. You have FX and F. XX. Yeah, it's that's weird. Like I just noticed now because when I saw these ads for uh, "It's Always Sunny" on FXX, I said, "What?" Yeah, yeah, no, it's always sunny. Changed. Um, I think the league also changed. Yeah, yeah the league's going to be on that too. Yep. Which is all. Those are both awesome shows. Yeah. No. So I mean, this channel so far is stacking up to be pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like FX is just going to die. And it's just going to be FXX. Oh, these are the shows that you liked on FX. Will they're over here now? <laughs> Go to this place. They, we're going back to playing nothing but Fox movies. <laughs> Do we get? Yep, to that's see not him? terrible. I could watch the uh, uh, what's oh, the Fugitive over and over and over and over and over again. I still want to see more Firefly. Day. Don't even Fox and Firefly just don't even. They have another uh, comma coming out for Firefly. That's right, they do. Saw that. Um, I watched the uh, the documentary about Firefly, you know, the the one about the fans. Oh, yeah? It was okay. I don't know. Like, Firefly, it's good and everything. Well, I tell you what, it's amazing and everything. <laughs> but it's been 10 years, guys. I'm looking forward to the dramatization of Doctor Who number one. 
that should be pretty interesting. I yeah. agree. I I think and like they have the guy from uh the per, he Filch Filch yeah Filch, Filch from uh Harry Potter playing him and it's he's well he's he's hey. also uh the jerk in Game of Thrones who caused the Red Wedding <laughs> that douche nozzle and like he just he play he looks the part of the first Doctor so well yeah. like I think it'll be great you know Doctor Who this year is going to be amazing it's going to be so good wait did oh. we have an agenda. Oh, yes. Another- <laughs> well, we, we have another discussion topic, but we're only we're only forty five minutes into the show, so we have. Yeah, feels like time. we've been doing this for more than an hour. Well, that's because I know it's weird. Show your face. Gosh. Well, I like looking into the future, though. It's I have to be in. Du- I have to leave for Duluth in like an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, our our second topic it's it's a little more serious, so it's gonna bring down the tone of the room a little bit. Maybe I don't know. What you knowing mean us? The whole VMA like, thing was not a serious topic. No, it wasn't. Well, that was the lighthearted one to get us ready for the serious. No, thing actually, I thought it was on. the one to just bring us down. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So, uh, you guys know about what's going on in Syria, right? Yeah. Now, right. For the most part. Okay. You know, chemical weapons. Yes. Used against people. That yeah were yeah just bad things and then Obama's like they crossed the line, you know so we need to act and then everyone and then Russia's like oh hell no because Russia and Syria are allies yeah what do you think like should should the U S react should the U S even care at this point the U S shouldn't the U N should actually do shit but the U N doesn't do anything so basically well apparently been- France is backing our play. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, about that. No, I, I mean, honestly, do you think the U.S. needs to react? I I think that uh, the U.S. should not act alone or anything like that. It should be like the U.N. I'm like, isn't that what the U.N. should be for? You know, the world? No, the U.N.'s for bitching. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. No, um, if I had to go out there and, and give a couple of comments, I guess... Technically, the use of chemical weapons against their own people didn't break any international laws as they were written down. Granted, it's a very, very shitty thing to do. Well, but the chemical weapons are banned weapons by the UN. Under certain circumstances, yes. they're they're like in a war. You're they're not allowed to use chemical weapons. Well, Syria is in a civil war. That you know, and the fact that you had to put it in quotation marks is yeah. you know why I bothered to say it in the first place. Uh, so it's a very big gray area, and you know, should the U.S. intervene? Well, that's about as big of a gray area because, on the one hand, being one of the superpowers in the world, uh, I, I would like to think that we have some sort of responsibility to help the countries who can't seem to help themselves. What's going to be kind of funny is if nobody acts at all, and then like if their their revolution succeeds, they're going to be pissed off at everybody for nobody helping. I know, you know, and that would be the other part. It's like, this kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't yeah, type of deal. Yeah, so it would be like we either decide to step over our boundaries that um, we've either set for ourselves or agreed that we have either way, and try and help out Syria, or we don't. And then, you know, if they succeed or if they fail, then people can either way look at us for blame. Either we didn't help them when they needed it, or we did when they didn't want it, you know, et cetera. Yeah. 
So it's it's just yeah no ugly. it's it it's a really weird situation. Mm-hmm. Very uh, because I mean if we do help, what do you think the odds are of Russia being like, oh hell no? Because they already don't like us. They're not exactly our biggest friend, and they've already said that Syria didn't do anything wrong. I know, but they didn't do anything right either. But they didn't do anything wrong. Depends on your definition of wrong. In in the eyes of, like, the world courts and everything, I don't know if, like, the U.S. acting has really a leg to stand on. No. No, not really. Uh, it's, I don't know. Carlos, what do you think? I, like I said, like, the U.S. itself cannot, it's not enough to justify for ourselves. Like, there's shit, shit's gone down all over the world many times, and, like, what have we done then? Uh well we invaded Iraq yeah that in was the nineties we wanted to uh we declared war on North Korea um, <laughs> uh I thought they declared war on us no they declared they, war on everybody we no well all right technically we never declared war on North Korea we just went to Korea as part of a police action same thing in Vietnam mm-hmm. like we have a history of getting involved in other people's scrapes yeah like all over the world. But like in in Afghanistan, same thing. Well, that's slightly different. different. Yeah, but the first Iraq one is not any different. Oh, were you expecting me to say something? Yes. Oh, uh, I don't know. It's just America should not act on this. Like it really, the U, I, like I, the UN should do something, but they are not. They don't have the power to do anything at all. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's not that they don't have the power. It's that they don't have the willingness. It's like the UN is so PC, they don't want to make anybody mad. All right, sanctions for you. More sanctions. That'll fix it. What do these sanctions do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) It's a slap on the wrist. That nobody cares about. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. And then, like, I've heard people... um, like comparing who's the guy in charge of Syria? Does anybody know? I forget. No his name. We're going to call him Syria Man. Sure. Uh, they've been comparing Syria Man to Hitler, and they're like, "Well, if somebody would have acted earlier, this Syria or Hitler would have never risen to That's power." Not. And I'm gonna, like, that is not a great thing. No, that is not the same thing at all. <laughs> I doubt he's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. He might. You never know. He'll, he'll take kit over the other countries. I think that would actually provoke action, and I don't think he has. I don't know if it to. would. There, it'd be all Middle Eastern countries. As long as he doesn't touch Israel, who's going to care? I know. Yeah, and if he's honestly trying to be like Hitler, he wouldn't stop there. Yeah. But ideally, he, I mean, I guess in his own mind, would be smart enough not to do anything that would screw him. Or he'd over. be like, hmm, he just wants to control Israelis his country. There. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a messed up situation, and unfortunately, Mr. Obama, our task force to figure out what for you to do has failed. Mm-hmm. Those words kind of made sense. No. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the Department of Offense should probably adjourn this meeting, and because we decided nothing. No, we came to no decisions. <laughs> no decisions. Damn it! So close. I, I think uh, I think we're just the UN now. You know what? No sanctions. Let's just attack Russia. <laughs> what? No, I think at I th- the source. I think I'll we're go just going to attack Russia. That is a such a horrible idea. 
You know, it sounded like fun. The Cold War, except hot. (laughs) Yeah, but they wouldn't be expecting it. Totally unexpected. We'd get the surprise on them. Yep. If we take out Moscow, what's left? No, if we declared war, suddenly we'd want to choose some country that has never done anything to us and doesn't deserve it at all. Venezuela. Damn it, Switzerland, stop being in the middle. (laughs) We're just the bully on the playground who can't quite decide who to fight. And so he just, like, punches his friend. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, uh, in in short, I'd agree with uh, Carlito over there that the U.S. shouldn't act alone if they do something. But does France count as an ally? (sighs) Not really. Now, if a certain if a special force team or two went in there and did something, I wouldn't have anything against that. But any like sort of mass as, as military long as action, we don't know about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, if, well, like here, here's the thing: if we before. don't do anything, he's going to be like, "Well, this is cool. I can keep doing it." If he actually did it, because I don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, Merka says he did, but Merka also said that they weren't spying on us with the NSA. So yeah. Who do we trust? Which I still can't believe flew up so... Like, it's obvious that they were doing it. <laughs> How was it... Like, it, they literally... People have known about it for a while. Just right. one guy then says... One guy blows his whole, his whole life then. And like, then, oh, I see. I can't believe... I should have listened to everybody saying that beforehand. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I think we are getting ready to wrap up. Maybe if I can find the outro. Oh, look at that! You found it. Where are the banjos? Casey, uh, are we still recording? Yes, we're still recording. Don't even, don't even. All right, sick and tired of that shit. Just all right. A few announcements. Uh, Soundwave is awesome as usual. What? Don't point. Don't. <laughs> Uh, the Daily Anthem is still helping us out while Matt's gone, and I've actually popped in a few episodes, so I'm sure I'll keep popping up here and there. It's a lot of fun, and go listen to it. That's every Thursday. Tabletop Theater is on Wednesdays. We just wrapped up our very exciting uh, Pathfinder campaign. Uh, that was part two. Is there another part coming, Carlos, eventually? Or If I did, it would be different like oh yeah we completed everything there. okay so yeah that, that was that was part two of the two-parter and I, it was a lot of fun yeah i i'd, I'd really like to revisit matlock sometime he's a great character yeah, i could bring back the goblin i fucking hated that goblin so much <laughs> i think the only one who liked it was miles <laughs> i thought it was great that you're pissed off goblin was fucking awesome yeah, uh, th- this month, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. We're going to do some interesting, fun things, though. It's going to it's gonna be four separate, unrelated episodes, so that'll be fun. All right, uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or any others, uh, send us an email at feedback at blindedstudios.com or drop us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindedstudios. Or you can find us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. Also, make sure you go buy Seth's book. That's S-A-Moss, M-A-U-S. You said it right. I did. Because he's not on the air and it's no fun to make him correct me. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, go buy his books. Uh, the Darkest Heart, The Shadow and the Wolf is the first one. And The Void and the Flame is the second one. So go get those. And we'll see you guys next week. We should be back on a weekly schedule. So see you guys next Hasta week. Hasta luego.